um, we could just celebrate you uh, throughout the day and throughout our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Russell. Good morning. One more time. He is risen. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. I'm thrilled to be here with you this morning. uh, We're starting a series called My Shepherd based on Psalm 23, probably the best-known chapter of the Bible, definitely the best-known psalm of the Bible. Many of you probably know it by heart, or you will if you stick around a couple of Sundays here. We're going to be covering Psalm 23 through April and May, so I invite you to come back all the way through the end of May. For four years, when I was really young, from the ages of four to eight years old, I lived in Spain. My dad was in the military. And seeing sheep and shepherds was not an uncommon occurrence. In fact, early on when we moved there, when I was really young, there's a picture that was taken. I have it in my mind. I didn't think to try to see if my mom could dig it up somewhere of me and my brother, who was two years younger, as the sun is setting with our back, and I don't know, maybe one or even both of us were in diapers, probably four years old is a little old for me, but anyways, I, I, and there's sheep just past us. We're, we're sort of just, what is this? There's just a flock of sheep going right near where we were staying, temporary living quarters when we moved to this new base. The Mediterranean and the Middle East are still today prime areas for raising sheep or goats. And I remember being fascinated by this flock of woolly animals moving across, being led by usually one person, a shepherd, or maybe a shepherdess. I'm pretty sure they were mostly shepherds that we saw, and controlling 50 or 75 or 100 animals all getting them going in the same direction. Even today, when I think about what a shepherd does, it's pretty fascinating to me. Like, how does one person take care of and lead that big group of animals? Well, Psalm 23 was written by one of those people. David, who became the king of Israel, the most well-known in all of Israel, was before he was a king, he was a shepherd. He watched sheep in, a near, around the Mediterranean, actually, not far. And he was born in the same town that Jesus was born in, Bethlehem. It was shepherding country. That's where Jesus was born as well. Psalm 23 was written by a man who was very well-versed, understood the life of a shepherd, had insight in how sheep lived, interacted, the, the nuances of what they needed. And Psalm 23 contains, I think, why we're looking at this psalm this morning, and we will for the next several weeks, contains some really deep gospel truths that we, some of us understand, but we can have even a deeper appreciation for with understanding that God is our, or wants to be, our personal shepherd. Uh, Living in a modern day, most of us probably don't have as full understanding as David did about what that phrase would even mean, because we don't have experience shepherding sheep, either observing it or being involved with it, and some of what David understood we might not understand. I hope that by the end of this series we'll understand a bit more. We're going to walk phrase by phrase through each uh, of the verses 
uh, sometimes a verse at a time, sometimes not even a full verse at a time over the next several weeks. And here's my prayer this morning. And this is my prayer for you this morning, and it's my prayer throughout the whole series that each person who's here today and that gets to hear more of these messages would, be, would feel the personal invitation of God to go deeper in understanding what it's like to say this to Jesus. Jesus, you are my shepherd. To make it personal. My title this morning is The Shepherd and The Lamb. Jesus is both of those symbolically for us. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture, something that Jesus said um, not too long before he went to the cross and rose again in John chapter 10 that really is the, can set us the context up for us for entering into Psalm 23 in a very personal way. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, 10 and 11. He said, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. By the way, a shepherd's job primarily is just to make sure his sheep have abundant life so that they thrive and flourish. Whatever would lead to that, that's what his job is. And that's why he says after that verse in John 10.10, which we're pretty familiar with, I am the good shepherd. And then he says this, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And this two-sentence passage, which there's a whole context. You could read John chapter 10. There's more to it about what God being, Jesus being the good shepherd is. But just these two verses can give us a deep understanding about what it means for Jesus to be my personal shepherd. And I hope this morning that you might move a step or two closer to embracing or maybe embracing at a deeper level, not just Jesus as the shepherd and the lamb, but that you would embrace him as my shepherd and the lamb of God who takes away my sins, which is what Jesus did for us. Today, I hope you can make these verses in Psalm 23 personal, and I'm going to show that each kind of chunk, couple verses, there's six verses of Psalm 23, I think there's a, a way that you can point in Psalm 23 to John chapter 10, each, each two verses to a phrase that we're going to look at. So Psalm 23 verses 1 and 2 says this, you probably know it, the lady's just saying it so beautifully, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. That phrase, I shall not want, really, in other translations, says I am perfectly content or I have all that I need. That's what it means. I don't, have, I don't need anything. I don't want anything because all that I want, I have that I need. Every, I'm perfectly satisfied. I'm contented. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I can rest in the midst of the abundance that the shepherd has led me to contentedly. I have, you know what? When you, when you feel like you have needs, can you rest? You can't. I can't rest either. When we have what we need, we're able to rest. He leads me beside quiet waters. You know, the shepherd knows the best path to what the sheep need. And Jesus knows that for you and I too. He knows the best way to get your thirst satisfied. Here's what it looks like for Jesus to be my shepherd, first of all, is this. Jesus came to give me life in abundance. For a sheep, you know what life in abundance is? Enough green, lush pasture that I can eat all that I want, and when I'm done eating, I just lay down there. I have so much. I don't have to keep 
eating and eating because I think I won't have enough or the rest of the flock's going to get the best parts. There's so much available that I can just take a nap in the middle of my meal. What it looks like for a sheep to have abundance is that there's always a supply of fresh water to drink from, always nearby, and that I trust the shepherd to lead me to that which will satisfy my thirst. That's a life of abundance. And so John 10.10, when Jesus says, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance, he's really pointing in some, I don't think he's necessarily has Psalm 23 in mind, but you can read Psalm 23 and see that's exactly what the good shepherd does. It gives us all we need. We need to be led to what will satisfy our thirst. A number of years ago, I was in Colorado for the summer, and I climbed my first and only 14er. You know what a 14er is? 14,000 feet. There's not many of them. There's a list. I'm sure you can find somewhere of 14,000-foot peaks. Some of them are relatively easy to get to the top of. Like, you can just about drive up there and say, I got to the top of, I think, maybe Pikes Peak. You pretty much don't have to hike. Just drive up there. I've done a 14er. Well, if you've done Pikes Peak and that's your only one, and I've done Long's Peak, and that's my only one, me and you have had a different experience of a 14er. Long's Peak is not an easy climb. I actually went with a couple of people who had been up multiple times, and I'm really glad I did. And I actually wish that I would have listened more carefully to the advice they gave me before I showed up for the hike. To climb Long's Peak, you have to start really early in the morning, like before you want to get up, like basically stay up. You have to start like two in the morning or three in the morning or something like that. I wouldn't have known that. I wouldn't, I'd actually, I don't, I wouldn't want to go on a hike at 3 a.m. But in order to climb Long's Peak, you have to do that. And you have to know ahead of time that you need to prepare for that. Here's why. Because if you don't start early enough, you won't get to the peak soon enough so that you can get down below the tree line before the thunderstorms roll in, which happens every day, just about. And people are struck by lightning every year because they're not below the tree line when the thunderstorms come through. So I needed a guide. I needed someone to show me, here's how you get to the top and back safely. <clears throat> I also needed a guide who knew that even though it was, it's a grueling hike, you, climb, you, you start hiking, and it's like a normal Colorado hike. You're going through the trees, and it's beautiful, and there's fresh air. And then you get to what's called the boulder field, and it's not so beautiful. It's just a whole bunch of rocks, and you feel like I could twist my ankle at any time because you probably could if you're a little too aggressive. And you feel like taking a break. I felt like taking a break, and so I would take a break. I would have taken a lot longer of a break if it were up to me. In fact, the hike was so grueling. It's a beautiful view. Got up there close to sunrise. There's lots and lots of other people that we passed a few. Lots more passed us on the way up. Here's what I wish you to listen to is that it actually can get really cold. And I'm at the time, I would say I'm, my body temperature is like going down as I get older. At that time, I had pretty, I'm a pretty warm-blooded person. And I brought warmer stuff because I'm kind of like, I wasn't in Boy Scouts long, but that phrase, be prepared, always stuck with me. So I'm like, I'm not going to get cold. I was exhausted and freezing. And by the time I got to the top, I was like, okay, I'm good. Let's go. Of course, everyone else was like, no, we came up here to enjoy the view. I was just miserable. I wish I would have listened for a little bit warmer clothes. 
but I would have taken longer breaks, and the same thing would have happened if I'd have done that. If we'd have sat there for a half hour every time I felt tired, we would have not been up and then down before the danger time when thunderstorms roll through. I needed someone to lead me, to keep me safe, to have my best interest in mind, and someone who knew what to do and the best path to take ahead of time. There's some pretty sketchy parts of long speak. If I showed you pictures, you, some of you would be like, no way ever would I do that. Like, you know, climb through. It's called the keyhole. It's a little notch in the peak that you have to go up and through. And it looks like, from like our from here, it looks like you're going to go up and over and like, see you later down the other. It's not like that. But it looks like that. But there is a section where you have a wire cable railing. And, and if you aren't careful... It's dangerous. You need to know the right path. Guys, we need to have a shepherd, a guide, someone who's going to lead us through life like that. Life is more like Long's Peak than Pike's Peak. There's difficult spots. There's dangers that we don't know about. There's times when we feel like we we should take a break when really we need to keep moving. Or times where we feel like we want to push harder when really we need to take a break. And having a shepherd, a guide, someone who knows us, is essential. That's what Psalm 23 says the good shepherd is. Here's Psalm 23, 3 and 4. He, the, good, the shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, the right paths for his name's sake. A good shepherd has his reputation on the line. His job as a shepherd, the way that he leads his sheep, represents how good of a shepherd he is. Yes, or yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. Here's secondly what it means for Jesus to be my shepherd. Jesus came to care for, to lead, and to guide me in life. He has your best interest in mind. When he says, I'm the good shepherd, he says in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd he, 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 that means he's going to provide for us the abundant life, he said, so that they can have abundant life, green pasture, quiet waters, all that they need, and that he'll lead us on the best paths. He takes it seriously. Like the way that he leads us, he'll put his name on it. It will be the best for you and I. He knows what's best for us to protect us from danger, from harm. He knows like what to do when you get to like the keyhole of Long's Peak when there is kind of a very narrow path you need to stay on in order to stay safe. Jesus has been there and knows how to guide us through those spots in life. John 10, 14, a little bit later, Jesus says, he repeats the phrase, I am the good shepherd. And then he adds this, I know my own and they know me. How does he know what I need, what I face, what I've gone through? He knows all about your life. He's paying careful attention to what's going on in your life and my life. In Psalm 139, David talks about asking God to search him, to know every part about him, because he knows earlier in the psalm that God created every little part of him. He knows every hair on his head. Even before he was born, God had knit him together in his mother's womb is how he puts it. He knows our needs, and I would say this. He knows our needs 
better than we know our needs. He knows what we need even when we don't know we need something, which is like a shepherd with sheep. As you're going to discover in this series, being called a sheep is no compliment. It's not a compliment. Sheep are not intelligent. And actually, rather than getting in the green pastures, sometimes they'll just go into the neighboring field that's like dried, ratted out weeds, even though their shepherd's trying to lead them to the green pastures. When they want to go get a drink at the stream, some of them will stop and drink in the trampled, manure-ridden puddles right before the stream and get parasites. Guys, that's me and you. Sorry. It's really not a compliment. We need a shepherd. We don't always know what we need. Here's what Psalm 23, 5 and 6 says. This is how the shepherd cares for us. You, good shepherd, prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now that might be, I'd like you to think about enemies, not just about people that you might like be in a fight against, but the enemies of your soul. Think about things that cause you to be anxious, fearful, frustrated. In the presence of those, you prepare a table before me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Another translation says, my cup overflows with blessings. Now, I wouldn't necessarily want you to fill my cup on Sunday until it flows all over the table, but if you're talking about my life with good things, please, Jesus, I'll take that. That's what that's saying. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Our last daughter, I have six kids, our last daughter, Corlin, was born at home on purpose. It was planned. It was my wife's dream. And here's what I didn't know I needed. So late in our pregnancy, by the way, this is, this is really not, this is about our needs, but I'm just going to tell you from my perspective. So we, we decided to have this baby at home. I was a, oh, more than initially reluctant, but I came around to this idea. It was Andrea's dream. So we went for it, and I was pretty confident and excited about it at the time. But late in the game, after we were working with a midwife, we had our friend from the Twin Cities, Terry, call and say, would you want me to come? Different Terry than was singing up here. She lives here. Terry in the Cities would you want me to come and be a doula? I don't know what a doula is. I do now, but I didn't then. Doula's like a birth attendant to kind of help you through the birth process. Well, this, is, this was our sixth rodeo. Um, and I was like, I don't know. This seems weird. The home birth thing's a little weird already. Have someone that we know there. I'm not really sure about this. Okay, what do you think? Andrea said she wanted to do that. And so here's what Terry did. I didn't know that I didn't know that this what I needed. I didn't know what she was offering. But what she did is she literally walked miles with Andrea throughout this process, walked beside her, like physical miles probably. Um, she served and supported and cared for. By the way, when you, when you have a, a home birth, the midwife is there, but it's really at the very end of things. It's not like throughout the whole process. A doula is there throughout the whole process. Um, she cared for us. She had suggestions and things that none of us, none of, I wouldn't have known, Andre didn't know, that was really helpful. Uh, she took, I think, days, maybe close to a week of her time, and her family said, we'll let you go and do this, and they all su- supported in that, her in that sacrifice. 
I was overwhelmingly grateful. Now, this is my side, okay? Andre has her own story. I'm not telling her story. I was overwhelmingly grateful, and I had no idea that this would even be helpful. It was unbelievable support. I would say this. My description of that experience with Terry's presence was that we had an overflowing cup of blessing because she laid down her life for a week or so for us, to care for us, Andrea especially. She served, she served us in ways I certainly didn't know that I had any need for. And that's what the Good Shepherd does for us, guys. At times, we have no idea what we need. When Jesus said, the Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, which is John 10, 11, the Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. By the way, if you're a sheep, this is not a good idea. It's not a good idea. It does not sound like something we need. And it actually, in some ways, it would be a tragedy for all of a sudden for the shepherd to be gone and the sheep are there with no shepherd. Now, this has two meanings. One is, when a, good, when a shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, it literally means he's spending his life energy for the sake of the sheep's health. So he's staying up late hours. He's thinking about where to go next. He's maybe even bringing water to land or finding a way to do that so there is good pasture. He's trying to protect the sheep from all the enemies that are out there, either people that will rob and steal the sheep or things like wolves or coyotes or other pests. So he's, he's spending a lot of energy, but Jesus did that and he also literally laid his physical life down for us, which for any sheep, a flock of sheep, they would not know what to do. They would be lost, panicked, gone, probably dead sooner than later without a shepherd. Jesus came to lay down his life for me. That's what it means for Jesus to be my shepherd. To be my Really what he chose to do is he chose to be my sacrificial lamb. He, he lived his life on earth to be our shepherd, but he also decided to come on earth to be a lamb. And it's not a coincidence that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That was planned. And it's not a coincidence that Passover lambs are raised in the fields around Bethlehem and it's not a coincidence that when last Sunday, Palm Sunday, we celebrated Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, that that's also the day that typically lambs are presented so that they can be sacrificed later in the week during the Passover feast. That's not a coincidence. If you came here on Good Friday, back in that corner, there was a session that pointed to that, that that was actually the day when the lambs were getting presented to be prepared for in the Jewish Jewish religion, that those lambs would be sacrificed symbolic of those lambs died so that we didn't, that, that the wrath of God passed over us. It would be a tragedy for a shepherd normally to lay his life down literally for his sheep, but in this instance it wasn't because of what we celebrate today. Because the shepherd didn't stay dead the shepherd died so that actually we could live forever. That's the end of Psalm 23. I will live in the house of the Lord forever because of what the good shepherd did for you and I. The song that was sung lavish, 
1 John 3, 1, which says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we could become children of God. We couldn't become children of God unless the, sh- the, sh- the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. Unless he offered himself for us. You know what John the Baptist, which was John, that's Jesus' cousin, he said about Jesus right as Jesus was beginning his ministry to his disciples, he said twice, look, the Lamb of God, this is Jesus walking by, who takes away the sin of the world. He was speaking prophetically that that's what this man, this Jesus is going to do for you and I. He's going to take on his shoulders what you and I would deserve. He's going to be the lamb we would now know that died but also conquered death and was raised to life again. Jesus is the shepherd and he is the lamb. Psalm 23.1 says, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. He wants to be my shepherd and he wants to be your shepherd. He really does. That's why he came. So maybe you've known about Jesus for most of your life, and you have yet to experience him as your personal good shepherd. Like he's leading me. He's caring for me. He's protecting me. He guides me. He died for me. Maybe you're a young mom or a dad, and the talk of a flourishing, thriving, abundant life sounds like a good idea, but you're just honestly trying to keep your head above water. Like, help me keep keep from drowning. Maybe you are heading to a later stage of your life and you're thinking about what life is going to be like after I'm done with my career. Or maybe you're already there. What's, what is the trail ahead, the path for me ahead going to look like now? Does the good shepherd really have a path for me at this point in my life? Maybe a different kind of transition that I have to transition to how I've really thought about what I've really invested my life in now. Maybe you're a teenager like I was a teenager who grew up in the church, who knew all about Jesus, who knew all the right answers for Sunday school, and they're not always Jesus, so that's a really good first guess usually when there's a question in Sunday school. Jesus or the Bible or God. Those are like, start with those three. But I knew more than those answers. But I really didn't know what difference Jesus could really make in my everyday, actually day-to-day life. Maybe you're a professional and you've done quite well for yourself. Life is going pretty good so far. And just thinking, like, why would I add Jesus now? Like, in a significant personal way. I think things are going all right. Maybe you are like me and you would doubt the helpfulness. You kind of think about having Jesus be a, having a personal relationship with him, having be my personal shepherd is sort of like how I thought about Terry being a doula. I don't really even know what that is. I don't know how good it would do. I don't know why I would need that. Maybe that's how you think about Jesus. Jesus said this, I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is the lamb who offered his life to take away the sins of the world. And not just the world, but yours and mine. My sins. Jesus is the shepherd. He delights for us to enjoy a life bursting with abundance, which his sacrifice provides. So I want to ask you this morning, is Jesus your shepherd? Is he your personal shepherd? 
Is he the one that you're depending on? Is he the one who you are depending on to save you that you need forgiveness for the sins, for your personal sins? I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. We're going to stand here in a second, and we're going to read Psalm 23 together as the band comes up here. And then I'm going to offer a prayer, and if you haven't ever made the decision that I want Jesus to be my personal shepherd in a saving, real way, you can do that. Why don't you stand with us, and then we'll sing or say Psalm 23, and I'll lead in a prayer that can seal this for us today. This with me. Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now let's bow our heads, and you can make this personal today. You can reaffirm if you've already made this personal, you can reaffirm that in this prayer, choosing to say, Jesus, you're my shepherd. And if you've never made this decision, you can make it for the first time today. Here we go. Jesus, you are the shepherd, and you are the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Today, I choose you to be my shepherd. Today, I receive you as my personal Savior. Today, I accept your sacrifice as the Lamb of God to forgive my sins. Today, I put my faith and my trust in you. Thank you, Jesus. You are my good shepherd. Amen. Now, before we sing this song, if you made a decision like that this morning, just tell someone. Tell who you came with. Tell someone that you know here. Tell someone that you know who already loves and follows and has chosen Jesus as their shepherd. I invite you to join us for the rest of April and May as we go through Psalm 23. We're going to sing this song that celebrates who Jesus is and what he did on this day that we celebrate, Resurrection Sunday.